Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by brave, bold, Brian Marceau. You guys, I got to say, I- I'm struggling a little bit. We all heard the devastating news yesterday. Ed McCaffrey's not coaching at Northern Colorado anymore. Um, my Saturday Twitter Twitter material is taking a pretty significant hit for next year, so I'm in research mode. But otherwise, dude, things are going well. Brian's obviously joking. The most disappointing news of the week is that the NCAA uh, 14 successor EA Sports College Football has been delayed until summer 2024. However, there is a chance that FCS teams will be included. That was mentioned in the report. So if there's anybody uh, younger than maybe uh, the three of us that are looking to get their hands on the Vandals in video game form, who who am I kidding? I, I still play NCAA 14. Anyways. Last but not least, producer, seducer, Martin Heemstra. It's nice to be here, and it's like, holy shit, it's not a fucking season recap show this week, which is nice. Exactly. Martin, uh, leading us right in here to Around the Bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Idaho made the playoffs, guys. Not only in the first year of the Jason Eck era, not only recovering from four pretty awful years of the big sky with Paul Petrino just continuing to not win any meaningful games. And somehow everything broke Idaho's way. It was not guaranteed they were going to get in. They got in. Brian, immediate thoughts. Yeah, I was watching the FCS Fans Nation live stream instead of the ESPN um, broadcast. Reason why is honestly with F- with the teams we care about local podcasters are significantly more informed than national media figures. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the teams get called Idaho gets called look, Montana gets called as being in before Idaho. And after Montana was called, honestly, about 70% of the bracket or 75% of the bracket had been announced. I was getting pretty anxious thinking like, okay, it happened. Like Montana got in and Idaho is going to get fucked, even though Idaho beat Montana. Then Idaho is called immediately. Find out we're on the road, but I don't give a shit at that point. Uh, just stoked as hell that we're in first. We're in the first year of you know Jason X, Jason X time, and we didn't need the temper expectations. They're in the playoffs, man. Uh, Fringe playoff is a kick-ass place to be. First year, and Idaho made it. We'll get to the draw in a second, but uh, things are looking pretty good. For, for Idaho's playoff situation. And then I guess just to me, making the playoffs is a huge symbolic victory for a team trying to turn it around. Idaho got the victory. Next question is, can we get through round one? But man, I that was the most anxious I'd been, honestly, the in terms of just typical anxiety relating to the team. Easily most anxious I'd been all season because I really wanted, for my, selfishly, to watch the game. I wanted, wanted Idaho to get in. But also to reward the kick-ass effort of the team's, team and coaches. And they got it. Yeah, honestly, this is this is crazy to think about from where this program was a year ago. Um, Paul Petrino had just been fired. Things looked like they were in disarray. Uh, the team getting blown out uh, consistently uh, by teams that shouldn't have been blowing them out. Punching down to opponents, getting punched in the face by any opponent that could sniff 500. And here we are, I know obviously Brian and I came in expecting, hey, if we win five games this year, this is a great season. Instead, got seven, got into the playoffs. Couldn't be more thrilled with this. For me, Selection Sunday was nerve-wracking, Brian. 
We saw Weber State and North Dakota go off the board, and those were the two games that or the two places that it was thought Idaho's going to play one of these two schools, either in Moscow or go to Weber, go to North Dakota. Those we we had thought from those most informed about the bracketology. Those were the three places things are most likely to happen. And you see those both go off the board, and I panicked. And then they go to commercial break. They come to the second half of the the bracket. They announced Southeast Missouri State at Montana. And then from there, I think you and I both had the same reaction of anxiety spike. Like, uh-oh, if Mon- did Montana make it in and we didn't? And then I kind of came back to life like, wait a minute. If Montana got in, there's no way that they left Idaho out. And then obviously the very next team called was Idaho. Unfortunately, it is on the road. Uh, Brian, what was your thought to this game being on the road? Initially surprised because we'd been told Idaho put together a very competitive bid. Uh, maybe our source was wrong. That That's entirely possible. Uh, Sela, so- Southeast Louisiana, is it's a school that's not as wealthy as Idaho in terms of endowment. Now endowment doesn't translate one-to-one to athletic budgets. But, you know, Southeast Louisiana Stadium holds about 7,000-ish you know, less than half what the Kibbe Dome does. So that just gives you a reference point for mo- potential money gained per game for the athletic department over there. But, you know, honestly, it might be for the best. Um, we're choosing to not talk about, you know, the murders in Moscow because we, we want this to be a place people can go to do something else. And there's other people who are, you know, police officers who you should pay attention to them, not jackasses with a show. But it's probably best. I think it might be best for Moscow. Uh, to not be hosting a playoff game Thanksgiving weekend because it you know it'd be pretty empty in the dome for sure. There's other logistical issues with you know lodging when the Apple Cup is taking place in Pullman that week. So uh, my maybe for the best. I was surprised seeing that Idaho had been outbid, but look, the bidding process is imperfect. You saw that with Weber State was just given a home game, even though North Dakota had a higher bid in place than Weber state, but that that's a separate topic. The FCS needs to get a couple things together with their playoff selection. Cause it like clearly resume resume itself was a secondary issue in, in where teams got and where teams were slated. Uh, say an example being Weber state. It seems like they're just gifted a home game because the committee was trying to say, Hey, you should have been seated, but you are not. Okay. Well, think of a fucking seat, but uh, you know, sorry, shifting back to your actual question. I like Idaho's matchup. It was surprising that Idaho doesn't have a regionally based matchup. But again, Weber was matched up with North Dakota. And by rule, if North Dakota and Weber are playing, the only other Western school to play is Montana. And Idaho and Montana already played. So by FCS rules, we could not play round one. So Idaho gets the gift of a non-regional game. I'm cool with it. Yeah, honestly, especially when you look at how the the, the bracket ended up. Uh, obviously, you and I did a show last night about the... Uh, your big sky. I, I, for anybody that's not aware, I guest spotted on Brian's weekly big, semi, semi weekly, sometimes weekly. I don't know how you want to call it. Mostly the big weekly. Sky, mostly weekly. There we go. Brian's mostly weekly Big Sky Podcast Network uh, power ranking show. Uh, yesterday we did the awards and honors or dishonors, uh, and was something we talked about is a lot of schools feel like they got jobbed, especially Montana State getting the, the four seed and most likely going to get Weber state as their second round matchup. Like that's an absolute kick in the teeth for a team that probably thought, Hey, we should have a pretty good idea of uh, the path of least resistance to getting back to the national championship game. And then um, immediately you get a roadblock in Weber state. Idaho didn't get that Idaho. You obviously have to take care of business each week and, and you're, you're not playing a bunch of cream puffs. Like everybody that made it to the playoffs has some, something about them that, 
that means they should be here. You can argue a couple of different teams shouldn't have been in and a couple other teams should have been in, but at the end of the day, every team has some sort of claim to be deserving here. If you're looking at if you're I, looking at Idaho's lineup here, Idaho has Southeast Louisiana, excuse me, Southeastern Louisiana or SLU is what they brand themselves as. I've always thought of them as SELA. Then they go on to the number six seed Samford. For anybody that's curious about Samford, the winner of Idaho Southeast Louisiana goes to Samford. That's in Alabama. They throw the ball like crazy. They don't run a ton. They they have almost 2,000 more passing yards than rushing yards on the season. So if you're Idaho, obviously you don't want to get caught looking forward, but that second round matchup is is mighty tasty for Idaho uh, before the third round would realistically be North Dakota State. And I don't even want to think about that far, Brian. Obviously, we got to take care of business here in week one. But let's talk about Idaho. Obviously, Giovanni McCoy did not play last week. He was named for the Jerry Rice Award, uh, twenty the 25 finalists, I think, uh, for the, the award this week. We have reason to believe that Vonnie's injury is not quite what it seems. Um, we just we don't know. It's up in the air. I know X said in the press conference after the game that if, if they had to absolutely play Vonnie, they would have. It just was more of a precautionary thing. But do you believe that, Brian? Is there a little bit of a chance that we see somebody else this week? I, I think for sure there's a chance we see Jack Lynn. My, my understanding is Giovanni's issue is knee related. Uh, we, we all know, look, knee, ish, knee injuries because the look tendons are tendons, ligaments are not vascular. That means their recovery period takes a little bit longer. So if, if there's any sort of injury that relating to like meniscus, relating to ligaments, uh, those things don't heal in a you know in a week. And you know, keep in mind for Idaho, we know that Idaho State was a shitty team heading in. That was a playoff game for Idaho. That was a must-win. And we didn't see Giovanni McCoy, likely second team all big sky quarterback, suit up for that game. I'm under the I'm under the assumption that until we know for a fact Giovanni's not playing, until we know for a fact Giovanni is playing, as a Vandal fan, I'd I'd expect to see that it is going to be Jack Lane. Because again, knee, knee issues are a big deal. Uh, and that last week that we joke about Idaho state, if Idaho doesn't win that game convincingly and, or if Idaho doesn't win the game at the very least, there's no prayer. Idaho makes the playoffs. We had to, Vandals had to have a good impression at the end, but the coaching staff has a ton of confidence in Jack Lane. We saw last week, a, honestly, more diverse set of pass plays called through, throughout the game. So obviously coaching staff's okay with that, but that that's where I am on Saturday is until I, until I'm told for a fact, McCoy's headed out there. I expect he's not. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would probably think Jack Lane is more than likely. If I if I had to bet money on it right now, I would bet that Jack Lane is the guy we see trotting out there on Saturday. Uh, it, it obviously had some rookie mistakes, uh, you know, true freshman mistakes that you you expect to see. I mean, even Vonnie had a couple of those last year. Uh, Vonnie's numbers last year did not look good. Obviously, a completely different offensive system and a coach that didn't know what the hell he was doing at really any point in much of his nine years here. Obviously, there's one large outlying bowl game and then everything else was kind of just meh to bad. Um, so you take that with a grain of salt, but we've seen true freshmen before. We've seen what they can grow into. I think the coaching staff obviously has something they like in Lane, but the fact that he has climbed to what is, what seems to be the number two quarterback, obviously getting the start in in well, the wake of pause. McCoy, seems to be number two. What do you mean seems? I mean, 
I I'm always curious because he's not he's not ever listed as number two on the depth chart. So it's it's all this gamesmanship that is so difficult to to read through sometimes. Well, okay, not trying to annihilate the subjects. I know you, you have a point you're getting to, but just for listeners who maybe aren't you know cued in with some of the people we are, he's number two. Again, we we just said this was a playoff type game. What you think X going to start number four? Uh, no, in a more of game. so. I guess I'll. I guess this. We'll just we'll derail this whole train. The the reason I hesitate to call him the number two is because I'm thinking about it as if Idaho wins this game with Jack Lane at quarterback, do they play Jack Lane again next week? If they do, and if they win that game, you have now played Jack Lane in four games. Is he still your number two, or even at that point your number one? If if Vonnie was healthy and it's you're picking between the two, or do you say, hey, he's played his four games, we don't burn the red shirt? That's why I, I I leave the ambiguity for all intents and purposes. Yes, Jack Lane is the backup quarterback. Jack Lane is the number two guy in the room right now. That you that is undisputed. Okay, I so, hey, to clarify real quick, what you're saying is the reason why you're speaking as though it's not clear is because there is a potential future in your mind where like we're not sure if he's yes. going to play. But of course, we haven't reached that potential future yet. So right now, you 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 accept? Yeah, dude's obviously number two. Exactly. Dude's obviously number two, but again, if we're talking football here in two weeks from now, if Jack Lane plays in both of those next two games, and I, I do think it's a question that's worth worth having, so that's why I speak with a little bit of ambiguity, because I never know. Again, we all thought C.J. Jordan was going to be the guy this year, and then and, I mean, Vonnie started in the spring as the one of the lowest guys on the totem pole, got himself up to the starter by the, the beginning of the spring. It just It's been... A little bit of gamesmanship, a little bit of just un, unsure. So that, that's why I speak in that generality. I don't even know where the hell that point was originally going, Brian, so I'm just going to like pass it back over to you. For, my bad, dude. Um, you're, you're fine. Anyway, the the discussion we're having is, hey, do we who, who's going to be playing? We, expect, we both agreed that until we find out for sure that Giovanni McCoy is out there, we just assume he's not um, and how that, that's going to impact the game impact idaho heading into southeast louisiana which i mean that this is one of the things we that i'm i'm just stoked about this matchup from the idaho perspective whether it's vani or lane uh, because you know idaho didn't get that regional matchup a lot a lot of people conventional wisdom was idaho would play weber state and i can tell you i feel a lot better about idaho starting jack lane against southeast louisiana than i would feel about jack lane starting against Weber State or even North Dakota for that matter. I mean, you were talking about the draw before I derailed you and the potential future this team has. Um, you know, Vandals have to win this this first game. But look, Idaho's going to avoid their bracket, has them avoiding heavy hitters in the FCS until the final eight, which, uh, you know, that'd be North Dakota State very likely for Idaho if Idaho uh, wins two playoff games. You know, we'll worry about that problem when we get there. Uh, but Idaho is now in, honestly, if you run through the bracket, who would you even rather have Idaho be playing right now? That's not to shit on Southeast Louisiana. They, you know, they're every team in the playoffs is good, but what you'd rather have maybe Idaho play Davidson first round. I don't know who else in the entire bracket that I like better as a matchup for Idaho relative to what Idaho does well and what Idaho, you know, is going to have to recruit to improve. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think there's a whole lot of teams that I would have preferred over Southeast Louisiana or Southeastern. I keep doing that. Southeastern Louisiana. There's too many goddamn syllables in that name. Uh, 
Davidson, like you're right, I I would think that would be a, a pretty heavy matchup in, in favor of the Vandals, but I, I truly could not be happier with this draw, Brian. This is if you're a Vandal fan, obviously, you know, we're we're talking all this talking all this up and in my typical fashion, I'm talking all all positive here, and then we're gonna get into the preview of Southeastern Louisiana. We're gonna be continuing to be positive, and then the game's not gonna go anywhere near the way that we think it is, because it seems to be how things go for me when I talk positively about Idaho. But just looking at this on paper, Brian, this is this is the exact place that you want to be in this bracket. Yeah, absolutely. You know, relative, yeah, maybe this is time we jump into to previewing the game. Um, but you know, for Idaho, we've throughout the season it's pretty clear the kind of teams Idaho struggles the most with. It's teams that are going to beat you up both offensively and defensively in the trenches and teams that are better at running, running the football right now, just based off size, based off talents on the team. Idaho's Idaho's better or more comfort effortlessly comfortable against teams that can't bruise you like UC Davis or Sacramento state. Uh, but does okay against teams who want to air it out a little bit. Look, I know Eastern Washington sucks, but offensively Eastern was fine. And Idaho, uh, Idaho sure as hell uh, made Eastern look pretty bad passing the football. There's other teams that happened to Idaho led the big sky in interceptions. You know, that's clearly, if you're going to play a team who's good at something, which you're going to in the playoffs, again, no team sucks who made the playoffs. I'd much rather have Idaho be set up, be matched up against a team like Southeastern Louisiana you know, additionally, this is makes this is part of what makes southeastern Louisiana a wild card for Idaho. Is they're not out of one of the the southeastern Louisiana is not out of one of the power two or power three conferences if you count the Colonial Athletic along with the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley. And look, those teams of course can be solid, but they're they're not tested week in week out the way Big Sky teams are. Where like look, even a team like Portland State that finished middle middle of the pack, Big Sky. Very often you throw those, you throw a team like that and something like the Ohio Valley and Portland state's going to look like a team flirting with the playoffs. And look, Portland state was certainly not special relative to the big sky. Uh, so, I mean, the, those are kind of the first two phases how I would look at for how I, what Idaho's matchup is, is looks out Eastern Louisiana certainly can score. They can certainly move the ball. Uh, but they're not there. There's no reason at this point to think they're the kind of team that's just going to have. They don't have Cameron Scadaboo. They don't have the line that Sacramento State has. Yes, they have a two quarterback system that you'll probably hit on in a second. But they very likely don't have an athlete like Asher O'Hara, who, you know, tor- torpedoes most average game plans uh, and can also pass the ball relatively well. In addition to, like, you know, the skill kind of the skill position players a team like Davis and Sacramento State had. So, Brian, I think this is a, a great time for me to just give a, a dump of information for anybody that has no idea where the hell southeastern Louisiana is other than the state of Louisiana. Uh, so they went eight and three this year, five and one in the Southland Conference. Uh, they had a close win over the then number four uh, Incarnate Word, who ended up as the seven seed in the bracket this year. Uh, and they had a close win over McNeese. Uh, they had losses to FBS, uh, Louisiana Lafayette and FAU. They had blowout wins everywhere else on the schedule, except for their homecoming loss to Texas A&M Commerce in their first year as an FCS school. Texas A&M Commerce did not do the Idaho FBS to FCS. This is not like some offshoot of the the SEC Texas A&M school. This is this is one of their 
satellite campuses moving up from Division Two, playing their very first year in, in the FCS, and they knocked off Southeast Louisiana. So not great there. Uh, head coach Frank Selfo, uh, he's 33-22 and 22 in five years. Uh, he's made the playoffs three times in the last four years. They've finished top 25 in three of the last four years, uh, four years in a row if you count this one. Uh, so four or four, assuming they don't get blown out to the point that they drop out of the top 25. Uh, last season, they were nine and four. They won a playoff game. They beat Florida A&M, who is historically not great, and then got boat raced by JMU, lost by 39 in the second round. Um, again, just dumping a bunch of information here, but the big thing I want to point out is the mutual opponents with the big sky. Uh, the one Brian had harped on to me uh, when I was starting to do all the research for this is they beat Northwestern State 23 to 7 in their second to last game of the year at home. Northwestern State lost to Montana 47 to 0. So if you're looking at just the different wins that they have compared to those teams playing other big sky schools, not a great sign there for, for the Southland Conference. Their other two mutual opponents, McNeese, they beat 28 to 17, who lost to Montana State 40 to 17. And then, Brian, this is the big one, so we can segue to the actual news of the day. They beat Lamar 47 to 31. Lamar lost to Northern Colorado 21 to 14 towards the beginning of the year. So we're talking about a school that, yes, they got Lamar by 16, but Lamar got Northern Colorado, got beat by Northern Colorado. They got edited. Ed couldn't win more than a couple games. Ed was a terrible coach. You see all these things coming out on Twitter about how sometimes he just didn't even coach at halftime. He just went and sat in a room for 20 minutes until it was time to go back out for the third quarter. That team lost to Northern Colorado. Now that's part of what makes me feel relaxed about this game. You know, McNeese, McNeese State is another team that South, Southeastern Louisiana played very close, like you said. Uh, beat Southeast, I'm going to call him Sela. I'm, I'm sick of the 9,000 syllables. Sela beat McNeese State 28-27. Montana State walked all over McNeese State first week of the season, 40-17. to I will say the couple games that give me pause here are I mean, the big the big one for sure is the Incarnate Word win, but also beating Jacksonville State 31-14. Jacksonville State finished, I believe they finished like 9-2. and two. They're not eligible for the playoffs because they're moving up to FBS and not that long. Uh, so look, there's certainly reason. Look, you can you see the resume and a couple good wins like Jacksonville State and Incarnate Word. That explains why this team made the playoffs in addition, you know, just the overall record. But man, like Northwestern State was terrible. And Sela wins 23-7. That's a uh, kind of a lower scoring game for Sela. Sela scores they're, they're a pretty solid scoring team i'm not saying they're precisely eastern washington modeled or something like that i'm going to jump in very quickly brian see the scores 33.82 points a game if you go into the big sky that's between idaho and portland state's offenses okay it's like yeah they're pretty you know they're, they're a pretty strong offensive team for sure uh that but you're all you can also see with the mcneese state game and um you know the lamar game as well that's why i'm saying i'm happy with this matchup is yeah, you have the ceiling of of being some of the better teams. That Incarnate Word game is probably the most worrying, just because Incarnate Word is is seated at you know forty one thirty five, uh, putting up forty one points. Not um, that's nothing to ignore. But yeah, like th- this is this isn't Weber State. This this isn't a Missouri Valley team that again, like, just going to harp on this point because I was accused of harping earlier. Is um. 
the, the teams that Idaho struggles with are the teams that beat you up. That's not Southeastern Louisiana. I mean, and I think to just to really hammer the point home. Oh, that was a stupid pun. Um, to really hammer the point home here, and I'm just going to commit to it. Uh, the Southland Conference. So obviously, you know, you have teams that are going to finish above 500 in conference just because you all play the same amount of games. But if you look at the overall records, Incarnate Word and Sela are the only two teams in the Southland that finished 500 or above. Texas A&M Commerce actually finished five and six. Uh, I didn't look at their full schedule. Uh, I think they played Tennessee Tech. So the and I think they played Lincoln, like uh, uh, like Portland State did. So there's some some garbage games on that schedule. But when you look at the Southland Conference, like there's nobody there that did anything other than Incarnate Word and Sela. So you don't have you know, the iron sharpens iron. You don't have teams smashing into each other every week and and getting more physical and getting better that way. You had a bunch of junk. It's just a, a bad conference. A couple decent teams or good teams from that conference, but I, I'm just not too worried about them, Brian. Like you said, there's the two quarterback system. It's not Sac State. Well, and it's certainly not. Sagarin would agree with what you just said. We don't obsess over analytic metrics, but it's not a worthless thing to look at. Just have a reference point for theoretical talent. Sila in Sagarin is rated 142, which is 29 spots below Idaho. It would, if Sila's in the big sky with that rating, that's they're the number 17 team, uh, b- significantly below Idaho, a little bit above Northern Arizona. So, yeah, the, the, the metrics say this is a team that's around a, l- you know, a little bit better Northern Arizona level. But look, the rest of the conference, it's a, it's a huge drop down. The number third ranked team is McNeese State. We already talked about sucking at 209 uh 209 in the big sky would put you at fourth to last a slightly worse than portland state just barely better than cal poly that's that's the weekend and that's the second best team in the conference that's the weekend week out kind of games these teams have played it's this is honestly the same discussion that happens at the fbs level when you're talking about hey how would a mountain west team do playing in the big 12 or something like that. And it's a reasonable thing, but this time it's in favor of big sky schools to say big sky, big sky teams are tested. Even not that great big sky teams are thought would be thought of as pretty solid in some of these smaller conferences like the Southland. That's why big sky schools, Missouri, Missouri Valley schools always have the strongest strength of schedule in the big sky. And that's what helps us come playoff time because even the teams that we during the tone of our season don't think of as that challenging, Talent-wise in the FCS, they actually are. So, Brian, speaking of talent, let's get into some of the, the guys that we should know from SELA. We are about half hour into the show, and we haven't really talked about them at all. We've given the 30,000-foot the view, but we haven't really given any insight. Uh, the biggest thing for me is that I have no idea what the hell is going on with this team. None at all. Uh, they're starting running back from last year, Taron Jones. Uh, he was all-conference second team preseason, uh, all-conference this year. Had a great season last year. He has 18 carries this year in 11 games. He has made it an appearance in 11 games, supposedly, according to their stats. He has made 18 carries. Uh, so, for whatever reason, Taron Jones just not playing anymore after being all-conference running back last year. Uh, this year, their leading rusher is Carlos Washington Jr. He has 586 yards and 11 touchdowns, has 123 receiving yards. There's a couple more seniors below him. But basically, they have three different guys that all have se- about 70 carries or more, nobody more than Washington's 124. They're very much committee-based. There is no scataboo on this program. Uh, again, they run the ball a ton, 
but they keep those guys, those three guys kind of just fresh moving in and out. Uh, again, like you said, the two quarterback system, Cephas Johnson, the third is their running quarterback. Uh, he's their second leading rusher on the team with 419 yards and three touchdowns. He does throw a lot more than Asher O'Hara does. So this is not, again, this is not the Sac State system. Uh, Johnson has a hundred, uh, excuse me, 1100 yards, 10 touchdowns and five interceptions through the air. And then their redshirt freshman pocket passer has 1600 yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. Um, the biggest thing for me, and we'll, we'll speak about the receivers in just a minute, but the biggest thing for me when I was looking at this, Brian, they have a bunch of offensive linemen injured. Three of their opening day starters are gone. Uh, their left tackle, he was a all-conference guy last year, went out with injury in the first game of the season, so they have a sophomore back in the, that's playing for him. Uh, their left guard, he is all-conference. Again, this is the Southland. It's eight eight teams. It's not like a huge conference, so it's not not quite as glamorous as getting all conference in the big sky where there's so much more competition. Then they have a bunch of sophomores and freshmen playing across the line. And those freshmen and sophomores, one of them has started every game this season. The other guys have only started starting in the last six, seven, eight games because they have, they have had linemen going down with injury. Uh, Their offense just doesn't, doesn't scream terrifying to me just yet, Brian. You mean say yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna echo what you're saying. You know, the the running back by committee is look something Vandal fans have seen for sure. Um, you know, look at the quarterback numbers. You combine the two quarterbacks. It's 21 touchdown passes to six interceptions on the season with the two quarterbacks combined. So like the team's not when they move the ball when they pass they've they've been solid. But like this is something we knew heading into this game is is Sila's more their their relative strength that you're going to get to defensive relative strength in a second but broadly speaking this is a team that's probably a little bit stronger offensively than defensively um you know again coming from the big sky we've this might now this will be a barometer for us because because big sky quarterback play has is not as strong this year as it has been you know for the last four years or so uh but as far as teams you know rushing the football Sila can rush the football. They've got a handful of guys who can. Honestly, that that kind of reminds me of Montana State only in the delegation of who rushes, kind of like Idaho. Uh, but I'm, I just I just don't think this is a team that's going to be able to produce in the same way because we we've talked or I've talked a lot today about the the teams that dominate in the trenches, the teams that Idaho is just not yet equipped to handle. It's a completely different comparison going against a, a Southland schedule where you know you talk about handling, you know, Sila did great against a team like Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word is a they're certainly in the Eastern Washington mold of they score uh, the good Eastern Washington mold of they score a ton and give up a ton, which explains a 41-35 game there. Um, but I guess that's kind of what I'm looking at as my barometer is uh they certainly weren't able to push around Incarnate Word, but you know, they were able to score. So look, we know they're we know they're strong. But I, I guess the tone, I'm just not able to get out, out of this tone, Dallas, of I know they're solid. I'm just I'm just not that worried yet. I am. I'm hoping this goes differently than the last time we, you and I talked about not being that worried because we talked about UC Davis not being that worried and we were completely wrong with that. Hopefully that's not the case. But again, there's a bunch of guys injured. They don't have one quarterback that's taken the reins. Like I know that the, you know, the two quarterback system can work at this level, but it, it doesn't scream anything to me. It's running back by committee. The guy who was the stud last year, isn't there. Like you take Ulanzo Gilliam off of UC Davis. And I, I don't know if Land Larison takes them to the same offensive heights that they've had. Uh, there's nobody like that on, on Sela. They do have a receiver. Who's very good. Uh, Gage Larvadan. 
He was their 2021, 20, uh, this is the Southland Conference's 2021 freshman of the year. First team kick returner, second team receiver. The guy is an all purpose weapon, leads the team in catches and yards, uh, 45 for 582. But then their, their third leading receiver left the team this week. I can't figure out why. There's nothing about it. But all of a sudden, they had one guy start almost every single game. He's, again, he's their third leading receiver. And he's not listed on the depth chart, and he's completely just gone from the roster. Uh, everywhere that they published the roster, he's just gone. So it's tough to it's tough to feel terrified by this team. I know that they, I know that they scored in bunches. Uh, again, they they hung with Incarnate Word, but and you're talking about a team that doesn't have a they, you know they're, they're doing the death by a thousand cuts running back system. The two quarterbacks again, to, if you put their numbers together, pretty solid, not necessarily spectacular. The tight end has he does have six touchdowns, but he has 13 receptions for 200 some yards. Nothing crazy there. You're down three offensive linemen. I just don't see anything on the offensive side that that scares me. Now the defensive side, Brian, it does there. There are a couple things that scare me there, but offensively, I just I just don't see I don't see anything like terrifying me that Idaho is going to get into a shootout that they might not be able to hang with. I just don't see that happening. No, and I got to steal, steal a little bit of your research here. You're, I think the it. thing you're talking about as being, you know, what scares you about this team is specifically the secondary, where cornerbacks, uh, just defensive backs overall, clearly the relative strength of Sela's defense. You know, you're talking about uh, two, 2021 All Southland first team, AP All American third team, sophomore Zai Alexander, uh, reputationally one of the best corners in the country, you know, 24 tackles, two picks this year, four pass breakups. On the other side, uh, you've got senior Fernando for Jordan, forgive me for stumbling, that I've never heard of a Fernando before. Uh, he's a former AP All American third teamer and All Southland talent, 22 tackles this year, five pass breakups. You, know, you look at the safety, they've got another all, all conference performer from last season in, in Donna, Donnell Ward McGee, who's he's their he's their field safety, 50 tackles, two picks. So there certainly is talent in the secondary in particular, you know, the tone of the conversation we had of look, if Giovanni McCoy is playing, that's one thing, but until McCoy's playing, look, again, for me personally, when I see McCoy out there, that's, that's when I'll believe it. Uh, if it's Jack Lane out there, this is going to be a very different challenge than the dumpster fire Idaho state was. And Lane had moments where you, you know, he looked like a true freshman in his first start. This was uh, mercifully not his first start, but this is a, this is going to be a challenge far different than what Lane had against Idaho state. Uh, never mind that there's just no way that Lane has more time in the pocket against Southeastern Louisiana than he did against Idaho state because Lane went virtually untouched in the pocket for the entire game. I mean, the, the only time he almost got sacked that the Idaho state player completely whiffed on the sack. So I guess that, that to me is the part that has me kind of pausing is I'm not that anxious about Rob Boric and co handle it having good effort against Sela defensively. It's that if you're going to jump, if you're going to jump on Idaho, one of the ways you try to do it is disrupt a true freshman in his second start. And uh, Sela probably does have the secondary talent to do that. Yeah. And you didn't even mention Brian. So their, their, their boundary safety uh, is the only position in the secondary that they don't have a, an all conference talent at they have this their star position you know sort of like the nickelback that just the fifth db that sometimes it's called rover sometimes it's called star he was also honorable mention last year he's third on the team with 69 tackles he's got a bunch of tackles for loss 
couple sacks, couple interceptions, well, that's 69 tackles. That's, I mean, that's uh, all American. No question right there. I, I hope they sit him. I would hope so too. I mean, just level that out. He's got a good, nice year for him, but I, so there's that. The secondary is very good. The biggest thing that terrifies me, Brian, is that their best defensive lineman has not played all season. He started playing again two weeks ago. He already leads the team in sacks after playing just two games. Uh, Bryce Cage is his name, sophomore defensive end. Expect him to be the guy wrecking the most havoc. Again, assuming he's able to play. I don't know what his snap count has looked like. Um, I didn't go back and watch the film like that. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, did Wasn't going to commit to that level of research for this team. But again, the guy has played the last two weeks and already leads the team in sacks. It's only three, but still three sacks in two games when nobody else on that team was getting consistent pressure. That is really concerning. You know, they, they've got some other like honorable mention guys uh, at defensive tackle and, and one of their ends, I think he's more of a, a run stopper, but it's not for all the injury town or injury problems they have on the offense. They are getting their best defensive player back like right here for the playoffs, which is, is always terrifying. Which, you know, to throw a little asterisk here, you know, defensively in the Southland, Sela uh, is middle of the pack. You know, they rank number four in total defense, scoring defense. Sela ranks number three at uh, 24.7 points per game allowed. Uh, the, the team that stands out in that conference is Incarnate Word, which is they're, they're just a different animal, which Idaho doesn't have to play. Although Sela beat Incarnate Word, so I guess that's, you know, maybe maybe a single singular thing to point to about how even if I'm not anxious about this team, Seal is good. You don't make the playoffs without being good. Uh, pass defense, bring up pass defense because we just talked about ta- the overall talent on that team. Seal was still the number. Look, they're the number four overall defense in the conference. So like they, they still they were giving up yards absolutely, but they were the number two team in the conference in enforcing in interception. In, sorry, not in the interceptions. Good luck. Those touchdowns. They're the number two team in picks, picked off eight passes in six conference games. Which actually stats at a per game basis not that different from what Idaho was able to do in the Big Sky. So, you know, point taken, Dallas, that you brought up is well, this, well I don't think Silo's going to offensively be able to boat race Idaho in any way. They've got talent on the other side of the ball. They've got the talent to make this a close game. I don't think I don't think Idaho loses to Silo in a blowout. Uh, and I think Idaho could win in a blowout. But if this game gets close, if we have a few turnovers, Sela has the talent to do that. They've are, that's what they've been doing to the teams in their conference. And and that's so the, that's the one thing. The one thing that is is going to be so tough to predict about this is I I think this feels to me like an Idaho, the, the what Idaho's offense has been all year long. We're going to try to run for 250 yards. We're going to try to control the ball for 40 minutes of the 60 and hope that that's how we beat you. Now, they do allow 155 yards a game rushing, which, again, in the Southland, that might mean Idaho's got a heck of a heck of a lineup here, guys. And again, everything looks great on paper, but I'm trying to find a way to talk myself down from thinking that Idaho is going to gonna pretty handily win this game I, i'm not calling it a blowout but i i just looking at every phase of this it feels i mean maybe other than special teams they, they do actually have a pretty good kicker uh but and their punter i guess was all conference as well so maybe their special teams might be better than idaho's but i just don't i don't feel like idaho is outmatched offensively or defensively i'd have to give idaho 
favor in both of those phases of the game. Yeah, no, no pushback whatsoever. Wikipedia just did not help me in contextualizing Seal in the playoffs. Last time I remember seeing Seal in the playoffs was 2019, matched up against Montana, and Montana dominated one like they won they scored about 56 or something like that which that's a few years ago so obviously the rosters have turned over that was the second year of their current head coach second year of their current head coach okay um that's kind of the thing that's that's popping in my head is just remembering the last couple times we've seen big sky schools play non non non-missouri valley teams non-colonial athletic teams or just or non-jmu colonial athletic teams in the playoffs is well, this is the this is the time now for us to to kind of be happy about the Big Sky schedule and how rough it is because if you come out of a Big Sky season with a winning record like Idaho did, you're you're just not going to do that and not have faced the kind of talent that's just it's not the same in the Southland. It's not the same in the OVC. It's just it's a different world in those conferences. In in the past, it was different, but some of those conferences are the ones that have been decimated the most by you know the last few decades of Southern teams leaving for the FBS. That's, you know, part of what the, the Southland used to be a very strong conference. Then they lost, you know, half the conference to the Sun Belt, and the Sun Belt's a good conference in the F a solid uh, G five conference in the FBS now. Um, but I, I guess, you know, looking at, we talked about the team stats, talked about individual guys. I really think this is a game. It's more Idaho's to lose than it is for Seedless to win. So, Breaking news from one of our longest tenured and favorite listeners. Uh, we love you all, but Tom Kendall has been with us since damn near the beginning. Tom Kendall jumping in with a weather report. Uh, weather forecast for this weekend, 52% chance of rain and 11 mile an hour winds. To me, I hear those and I immediately think, where can I put some money down on the vandals? Because if you're telling me in, in everything we've looked at, the strength of the defense for Southeastern Louisiana is their passing defense. Idaho obviously prefers to run the ball very heavily. A windy, rainy game in a fairly humid area. Uh, again, it's going to be roughly 60 degrees that day. If you're telling me it's going to be 60 degrees, rainy, and windy, I'm taking the Vandals every single time. Yeah, the look, I found what I was looking for too about previous playoff matchups in, in 2019. That the one I referenced, Sila uh, beats Villanova round one. Villanova's a not as strong as JMU CAA team. They went that game 45 44, then lose at Montana 73 to 28. In 2021, Sila beats Florida AM, you know, another like relative to the big sky, smaller conference FCS team, then loses to a very good James Madison team. 59 to 20. Now I, I'm not saying Idaho would get killed by James Madison. If, if those teams are playing right now, James Madison was a top 25 FBS team, their first year up. So that's, that's not to put down Sela, but the last two times in the playoffs, Sela has been matched up with stronger top two conference talent. It's just, it's just not the same in the, in those conferences. That's why I feel confident about Idaho heading into this game is just the, I mean, look, Idaho lost by a touch by a touchdown to Sacramento State. Uh, the only game Idaho really didn't acquit itself that well this season was UC Davis. And look, at that was, I think that was just matchup dependent. I don't think Seal is going to be able to do what UC Davis and Sac State did. Those are the only FCS schools that have been been able to make Idaho look bad this season. 
and we just got that weather that favorable weather report you'd say uh from tom kendall so i'm, I'm feeling pretty good i do want to quickly clarify for you there brian uh, Idaho only lost to Sacramento State by three, 38, or excuse me, 31 to 28. You're thinking of Montana's lost well, the, the week before. Yeah, okay, you're right. The the point being, single score loss to the number two seed team in the entire field, Sacramento State, who look a lot, a lot of people believe Sacramento State should have been number one. Uh, that's a separate FCS. You know, we we should we really need to talk about the FCS like all team lists in a second because honestly, the FCS national like reporters, national like entities are kind of a clusterfuck. Uh, in a way that uh, I'm a little surprised about, but <sighs> anyway, look, I, I I don't have much to get here uh, other than how how confident I feel about this with the wild card being. If Lane plays, this is a team that's got a good secondary. It's going to be important for Idaho to maybe have a game plan that looks similar to earlier in the season, where you know Giovanni McCoy didn't quite have the exact same freedom in Week Four that he had, you know, in 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 his last start against UC Davis, as far as the kind of pass plays that, that were being the, the number the volume of pass plays that were being called, you know, UC Davis was the only game this season Idaho passed more than it rushed. That that's not going to that's going to need to not be the case against a team like Sela. You know, you'd have to expect this is the kind of game where Jason Eck wants to sit on the ball, you know, get as as close to that forty two minutes to eighteen minutes uh, spread that Idaho repeated about three or four times this season. Or if Idaho Idaho needs to get out early, that's the ident- that's the identity of this team. They're better playing with the lead than playing from behind. Uh, I think that's the kind of game plan you want. And you know, one of the best ways to put Jack Lane in a situation where he's successful, which the coaches, to their credit, man, this coaching staff has been kick ass about putting players, in particular, young quarterbacks, in position to do well. Uh, getting out to a lead, ideally, you know, running, running first, probably rushing about, you'd have to expect this is game. Eckner Slicer want to rush about 60% of the time and let Lane throw, you know, play action, let him throw into a little bit of surprise, just stick, stay the hell away from third and long. And, you know, this, that's about as good a game plan as I is going to have. Completely agree. I'm looking for 65, even 70% run the ball. Just the, the linebackers uh, for, uh, Sela are are solid, um, not necessarily spectacular numbers, but they do have three solid linebackers that are probably going to make it a little bit hard to run the ball at times. But this, Brian, you're completely right. I, I've got no pushback there. This feels like the let's commit to just running the ball 40 times, don't pass it more than 20, and just and punch it down down their throats and and hope that's what it what what it's going to take to get it done. Uh, any final thoughts, Brian, on? This week's matchup before we we pick the score. No, not really. Although I, I really got to say, man, that game that if you look at the SELA schedule that hops out even more than the 41-35 win over Incarnate Word. Uh, I, I guess this is more establishing that I am convinced that the floor of SELA is miles below the floor of Idaho. That loss that you brought up to Texas A&M Commerce on, uh, on homecoming which I, I know that Texas A&M Commerce, that's, you know, first year FCS, they're not Simon Frazier, but that's, that's what I want to read into that game. Looking, looking at the box score here. And that was a game where Sela uh, was, Sela can be susceptible through the air. Like we talked about, like, yes, they can pick off passes, but they can certainly be beat. That was a pretty bad team in Texas A&M Commerce that threw mm-hmm. for 374 yards, four touchdowns, uh, the, these guys just they're not bad they made the playoffs but they're not they're not the world beaters 
that a first round matchup can be like last year when Davis got matched up with South Dakota state in the first round, mm-hmm. this draw to Idaho is probably as favorable as it possibly could be outside of playing Davidson. So j- just make sure if you're not, if you're not traveling to him, Louisiana, that you've got a, uh, you've got your ESPN plus broadcast up. That's where I'm going to be. Yeah. Brian, I think you, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to really project what this team is um, just because for every incredible game that you see, Hey, you beat incarnate word, you beat Jacksonville state. Then you do have that loss against commerce. I do have to shout out lion for life in the comment section, may, uh, pointing out that SLU played without 10 starters and their starting quarterback. I did notice that they, they played with the, without the running quarterback, they played with Sawyer instead of Johnson. Uh, so that definitely has something to do with it. Um, I don't know if playing without 10 starters, I don't think that was quite the the number I, I when I looked at the historical starters, but playing without your starting quarterback, that, that is a recipe to have a bad loss on your schedule. Uh, not all teams are as lucky as Idaho with backup quarterbacks. Zagarin would say Texas A&M Commerce is a Cal Poly level, level team. So line for life, thank you for watching. Thank you for the input. I, I really don't think that uh, the point doesn't matter here about just establishing a floor of a team from the Southland compared to the floor of a better team from the big sky. Doesn't mean it won't be a competitive game. Doesn't mean that there aren't reasons that see could come away with a win. I guess from my projected out, you know, my projected outcomes, what score predictions in a second. I just don't think there's a world where Sila's going to blow going to would blow an Idaho team out. If Sila's going to win, this will be a close one score game in my mind. There is a world where a good Big Sky team should be able to beat a Southland team by more than one score. Before we get to picking the scores, if you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. You can actually, you could you could find Colin Hughes on Twitter right now. Ask him. He's ready to do it. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or even the Selway. You could check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes. HRE will handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Or Colin Hughes is hanging out in the comment thread. If you've got some questions, hit him up. Just saying. All right, guys. We're, we are almost at an hour of this show already. What do we got? Idaho at Sela on Saturday. I, I'm going to go Idaho 41 Southeastern Louisiana University 31. I'm going to go Idaho 30, 35, uh, Sela 24. We're all kind of in the same boat. I'm thinking Idaho 38, Sela 28, uh, maybe 31, but I'm going to say 28 because I'm going to say that they're going to be in a situation where they don't kick a field goal and they're, they're trying to score a touchdown at the end. Uh, but in, in, in the comment section, 
uh, it seems like everybody here saying, hey, everybody in the playoffs is tough. This is not going to be a blowout. We're getting that from both the, the SELA guys that are in here or SLU. Again, I'm, I'm sorry. Always been SELA to me. I'm trying. Uh, Cap Dan saying Idaho, 38 points, 38-27 uh, for Idaho. Steve Kurtz, 42-30. Colin Hughes, 37-34. Josh Young, 35-28. Everybody picking Idaho. Obviously, this is an Idaho podcast. I'm waiting but. for those SELA guys to throw some scores in. They've been active. It's been fun to have them in the comment thread. We gotta get come on, come on, SLU. We, we gotta get some score predictions from you guys. Yeah, I would love to see uh Lion for Life and uh SLU Lions fan. I would love to read your predictions live here. Um, that way you guys can either make fun of us on Saturday for us being wrong, or we can say, Hey, we got it. We actually knew our team a little bit this week, which sometimes doesn't always happen. Uh Taylor Cash 3531, Patty Furks 4028, Tom Kendall 2421 in overtime. I'm assuming that's Idaho. We did get Lion for Life there. 31-24 Lions. SLU Lions fans saying the same thing, 31-24 Lions. So everybody thinking this is going to be a one-score game or or close enough to that. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Idaho Sela guys, before we move on to the rest of the big sky this week? No, more with our, our small sample size. And again, uh, line for life, SLU Lions fan, thanks for jumping on. Um, it's, I mean, this is playoff football. If you're not a pioneer conference team, you sh- both sides should have confidence in what their teams can do. You know, both our fan bases that we have access to right now are saying one score game, one ish score game in either direction. This is what, uh, man, this is why I've been not to bring up that FCS FBS conversation because we're not going to have it. But this is one of the things if you're an F- FCS dude or if you're okay with Idaho in the FCS now, this is one of the things you wanted is you get you get to go in the playoffs. You get to test yourself against good teams from other parts of the country. You get to see what a good Big Sky team is compared to a good Southland team is or a good OVC team is or a good CAA team. That's the whole point of the playoffs. That's And I mean, Idaho's kind of felt like they've been in the playoffs for a while, honestly, um, you know, since that heading into the season with the FBS schedule Idaho had, there's only so many losses a team like Idaho can handle and still be playoff eligible. Feel like the team's tested. We're going to find out for sure on Saturday. All right, let's move forward to the other two games for the Big Sky. Obviously, Sac State is off. Weber State, or excuse me, Montana State is off. But we do have a couple other schools playing this weekend. We're just gonna we're gonna go right to to the the sheep right off the bat. Semo at Montana. Producer seducer Martin Heemstra. Who are you picking in this game? Southeast Missouri will Semo touchdowns in Montana. Southeast Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say. This game matters a ton for Montana because uh, I, I think not only making the playoffs, but being able to pick up a win is going to matter in Bobby Hawk being able to say, look, what I do works. And the team just had some injury issues. Real question about whether Lucas Johnson, starting quarterback, is going to be able to play. He went down against Montana State, and he's been reporting nerve I- issues in one of his legs, specifically that the leg's numb. Unclear if he's going to play. It looks like Bobby Hawk has figured out that Danny Britt should be the backup quarterback in place of uh, – in in place of Chris Brown, if Danny Britt plays or if Lucas Johnson he- is healthy or if Danny Britt just plays as a starter, I'm going to go Montana winning this game. I think Montana is kind of like Idaho where they're going to say, look, uh, dodged a bullet, not being matched up against a team like Weber. Montana couldn't be, of course, because they played because they played. But I think, you know, for a team like Montana reeling off the Montana state loss, you know, there's going to be a little extra motivation to show that last week is not the final impression of this team. So, we've got Simo leaving Hauk Stadium to go take on Bobby Hauk. Unfortunately, I 
do think Montana wins this game. Uh, if this was not in Missoula, maybe it's a slightly different story, but it it feels like if Montana is going to keep Bobby Houck around, it, it, not that he's coaching for his job here, but he's got to come out and make a statement, at least win a game and at least, at least fight another weekend. Montana fans are not happy right now with the performance of this team. Brian, like you said, Lucas Johnson, if, if he's out, you'd hope that Britt is the guy and not Brown and nothing against Brown. It's just, he hasn't shown me he's got what it takes. I don't see anything in SEMO's schedule that screams, yeah, this team is going to go out there and beat Montana on the road in what is probably the worst draw for anybody in the first round. The, it doesn't matter how bad Montana has been at times this season and their their offense has been lethargic at best. I don't think I really would want to be flying halfway across the country to go to Washington Grizzly Stadium when it could end up dumping three feet of snow over there. Uh, Pacific Northwest winters not not so great for for some of those teams in in a little bit warmer climates. So, want uh, hey, ten seconds? I want to hit a comment comment thread from Brian Brian Kennison saying, uh, "Why aren't we more concerned about McCoy not playing?" Um, I'm, now that's just, that's my understanding. This isn't us breaking news, Brian. Uh, this is my this is my understanding is the is the injuries knee related. So my take is that until I see M- McCoy playing, I'm going to assume he's not. And the answer to your question is, this coaching staff just kicks ass at not asking people to do stuff they're not ready to do. Mm-hmm. This coaching staff is very good and appears to me to be very sensitive in understanding the strengths of the of their players. We're talking about quarterback right now, and trying to call a game that most effortlessly aligns with the strengths of those guys. Um, also look at Jack Lane, if Jack Lane is as good as the coaches think he is, like we, we've seen backups on Idaho do well elsewhere. Jabori Gibbs started, did well at South Dakota state prior to injuries. We've seen CJ Jordan look very good for stretches. So if Jack Lane is at that level of talent, which we saw him at Idaho state look pretty good in stretches for sure. There were some concerning things as well, but there's a, there's a lot to like about Lane against Idaho state asterisk is Idaho state. Uh, that'd be why I'm not anxious yet. But if things go go negatively for Idaho, I again I, I think the issue will probably be turnovers and probably difficulty at the quarterback position if Idaho doesn't come out on top. So just we're gonna rip back to the we're gonna just kind of rip the band-aid back off here. We're gonna go back to SEMA Montana. So just quickly throwing in some some folks in the comments. Cap Dan 2421 SEMO in overtime, Tom Kendall 2821 SEMO, Colin Hughes, our favorite sponsor. 2724 Montana. Well, I mean, I guess technically we have two sponsors now. I can't say that anymore because I love both of them equally. They're like my children. Like, we're going to get to that. Brian's showing off a little bit of the goods here in just a second. Steve Kurtz, Montana rolling 56 to 10. Colin Hughes, if it's QB2, 2417 SEMO. Joshua Yon, 1714 Montana. Basically, none of us know what's going to happen. That takes us to what I think is probably going to be a better game than SEMO Montana. It's the one I'm more interested in watching at least North Dakota at Weber state. I I'm going to go with Weber state. Yeah, I'm going to go with Weber state too. Uh, Weber state. Their offense is certainly faded in the uh, second half of the season, but Weber hat still has a strong enough defense that they're, they don't get blown out when Weaver's loses. The games are always close. I just feel that Weaver's got a little more talent than, than North Dakota. Weaver has a, has a couple more impressive wins than North Dakota in my mind too. So uh, I'm going to err on Weaver state winning. I mean, Weaver state realistically should have been a top eight team based off resume. 
So I'm going to lean in to just saying North Dakota got a shitty matchup with a team that should have been off this week. I don't even, I'm not honestly looking into it even that far. I'm looking at this as what would be the most hilarious thing for Montana State? And it's absolutely if Weber State wins this game and goes on to play Montana State in the next weekend. Um, Bobcat fans are great. Um, I cannot wait to see what they're going to, their reaction is going to be if slash when Weber State wins this game and they 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 get welcomed into the FCS playoffs this year with a rematch against against Weber State. Uh, I don't think Weber State wins that game, but uh, it's definitely going to be hilarity in the the social media of the Big Sky uh, for the week of Weber State Montana State Part Two if they take care of business against North Dakota State, which again I I believe they will. Uh, Patty Froks jumping in. Weber will win this. Colin Hughes thirty eight twenty eight for uh, the Big Sky Conference over the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, not a whole lot of comments on this one because I think, I, again, I think a lot of people are just going to pick Weber State because Weber State, honestly, d- they probably should have gotten a seed. They were, I mean, they're right there on that edge of should have maybe gotten the eighth seed. Uh, Steve Kurtz, Weber 17, UND 14. Uh, just feels like feels like a Weber State game, especially where they've got it at home. Feels like Weber State's going to at least get this one and move on to, to fight another day. With that, we do have our second sponsor. One of our favorite sponsors. Again, we now have two of them. Yeah, guys, Nick Davis is a dude who's helping us out. Uh, he does kick-ass metal work. Martin's holding up a Grumpy Joe creation of Nick's right now available at the Vandal store. Uh, also, can contact Nick about that. We'll get to that in a second. If you jump over to me on camera, producer Martin, once your metal work goes down. Yeah, this is the Flaming Heads. These are officially licensed University of Idaho uh, law art. I don't know what the hell to call these. Dallas is grabbing his, and I got it. And again, the Tubs of the Club special, Nick Davis special, King Spud. You can only get the the King Spud via Tubs of the Club. So hey, Dallas. If we shift to Dallas, he's got his uh, I Vandals logo up. Yeah, that's all Nick Davis's work, man. Nick Davis does only kick ass work. If you want, if you're interested in any of these things, Martin's got the magnet up there too. That Nick designed for Tubs of the Club. If you're interested in any of the originals from Nick Davis, uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at Tubs of the Club, or you can also check out Nick Davis on Twitter as well. Should have had his handle up. I'll get that someday. But yeah, uh, Nick Davis, Nick Davis helping us out. He helps. Out. Honestly, Nick Davis is an MVP in fundraising for University of Idaho Athletic Department. He's he's partnering up with us because uh, we're birds of a feather. Thanks, Nick, for helping us out. And he's even actually a pretty cool dude, even though he's a 49ers fan. Sorry, Nick. I just had to take that shot. All right, guys. Final thoughts about anything this weekend. Uh, Idaho, Sela, North Dakota, Weber, SEMO, Montana, McCoy, Lane. God forbid we talk about the basketball team. Any final thoughts? Brian, it is hour number two. Do you want to talk about the, the other news that happened over the weekend? Uh, you are talking about Ed McCaffrey being shit canned. Or are you talking about basketball? I mean, 87, Ed, Ed not 86, Ed. Like, yeah, 87. Sorry, really bad. Time. Sorry. sorry uh, Ed Mc- yes, thank you. Ed McCaffrey got fired, at, was fired after two seasons at Northern Colorado. Um, if you, hey, Nick Davis in the comment thread, $75 includes shipping for the King's, for the uh, King Spud option. Man, I, I'm getting my mind blown by the comment thread exploding. So, I 
Jesus Christ. I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. Nick, the Nick Davis thing just, just completely threw me off. Ed McCaffrey fired shit canned after two seasons, the Northern Colorado fan base, which is not that active in social media, but like their attendance at game, you know, at home games is, you know, similar to Eastern Washington, Northern Colorado had better attendance in person in 2021 than university of Idaho had in 2021. So like, it's not, it's not gigantic, but it's not non-existent. They were done with Ed McCaffrey. So this isn't the contract expiring. Ed McCaffrey was fired for sucking. He was fired. I guarantee his comments after the Montana state loss, uh, where he took, again, the Zach Claus school of accountability is Ed McCaffrey has a PhD. Um, it's great news for the conference that Ed McCaffrey's gone. He of course, in his, you know, being fired, did, did no address to the media because Ed McCaffrey never took this job seriously. It was just a thing to, Honestly, probably feels like it was a hobby for him and a way to improve his son's futures. Didn't did no address to the media, even though media reached out to him. Just posted a man in the arena screenshot, which is of course uh, old Teddy Roosevelt speech that today is universally used by public figures who want to say that there is no way to possibly criticize how shitty they are at everything. So, uh, Ed McCaffrey exits the Big Sky Conference. My Twitter thread is going to be devastated because making fun of him and Max sucking week in and week out was a go-to for me, but it's great for the conference. Uh, you know, we, we make fun of North. Whenever I made fun of North Northern Colorado, I was making fun of Ed McCaffrey. Fingers crossed for Northern Colorado fans. They get someone in there who knows what they're doing. Ernest Collins prior to Ed McCaffrey was reputationally a great guy, a person that the community loved. He just wasn't able to handle the FCS uh you know, shifting to the FCS instead of being the D2 power Northern Colorado used to be uh, really curious what they get because big sky hires as of late minus Ed McCaffrey. I mean, Ed McCaffrey at the time was a big name, but they've been uh, the big skies has some pretty dang good hires in the last handful of years, minus Chris ball, minus Ed McCaffrey. So fingers crossed for Northern Colorado, they get something worth uh, talking about in the future. And I do want to just quickly point out for everybody, um, at least for me, the reason we've harped on Northern Colorado so much is because this is the kind of shit I wish somebody would have done when Idaho had Paul Petrino trotting out his his son. Uh, Mason was a lovely guy. We heard nothing but great things about him. One of the smartest dudes in the room, but probably shouldn't have been playing quarterback for Idaho. This is the kind of thing I wish the media would have picked up on and maybe helped speed things along. Very happy with where we are. Don't think we would have had any of this excitement if Petrino had been removed a couple years ago, but who knows where we'd be. So if you know of any coaches out there that are playing their own kids and hiring their own family members, please contact Brian and I, cause we'd love to bring it up on the show because that shit is just hilarious. All right, guys, we are an hour and almost 10 minutes into this show. I think it's about time to wrap it up again. If you like us, if you hate us, if you love us, if you don't care for us, patreon.com backslash tubs, the club Dallas instant reaction for you. Jason Eck left off the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year award finalist list. And Robbie Houck from Montana, who, who has a ton of tackles because he gave up a ton of receptions, makes the Buck Buchanan finalist list. And Hayden Hatton left off the Walter Payton award list in spite of having uh, better stats than a lot of the wide receivers included, playing in a better conference and missing a game. Thoughts on those three things? Um, it's the same thought for bro, pretty much all of it. The national media at every level, the national media does not have anywhere near as much of a clue as they, sh they probably should. I mean, even if you look at the, t the top 25 votes, there's some people in there that absolutely nail it. Shout out to Theo Lawson, 
uh, former Vandal. Uh, I think his vote looks great every week. There are other people that it, it's like, did you watch any football outside of the East Coast this this year? Uh, and I, that's just, I think that problem just exacerbates itself as you get to the FCS. It's obviously that it's obvious that a lot of people weren't paying any attention because Robbie Houck makes an award list. Patrick O'Connell doesn't make an award yeah. list somehow. Jason Eck is the runaway coach of the year. There is not a single person you could say is the coach of the year this year over Jason Eck. I, I will fight anybody, maybe not to the death, but at least until there's some blood coming out. I, yes, Deion Sanders took Jackson State to an undefeated season. That's been in the works for a while. Jason Eck took over a program. Nobody was showing up to the damn dome. Players were leaving in droves. Players were unhappy with the coaching staff. There were different issues in the legal sphere over the nine years. Uh, you, know, you usually don't want to attack a reporter on the sidelines. Uh, I, Paul Petrino left this program in a really bad place, and it took Jason Eck a handful of months to turn things around, and here we are almost a year later, Idaho's in the playoffs. They're, 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 there's no question to me, if you watched Idaho getting blown out by 50 at the end of last year, Jason Eck making this into a playoff team, which, again, with almost all the same guys, it's not like this is an entirely new roster that's come in. This is almost the same group of guys that were here last year. That, that to me, is coach of the year right there, turning around a complete disaster program into a, a playoff team. That The no, no question. Should have been yeah. the coach of the year. Yeah, and the Buchanan award list. Robbie Houck was targeted week in and week out by Big Sky teams because the dude cannot pat, cannot defend wide receivers. He's just not good enough. That's it. He has other things he's good at, but Buck Buchanan award is the, for the best defensive player in the nation. You can't have a dude who is the guy picked on by all every good team in the Big Sky that could pick on someone. Robbie Houck was the dude. We talked about it on our show with Coulter. That's what you do. Line up because Bobby Houck wouldn't, wouldn't change where he's lined up his corners. Line up your slots. Let Robbie Houck's going to take him on. And if you got Hayden Hatton, if you have a, any good receiver, they're going to run all over him. That's what Eastern did with Lolo Talimu Jones. There was nothing Houck could do in those games. Houck was obviously targeted those games last year. He was obviously targeted in the Idaho game. But whatever. That's why I was I brought up when I watched the selection show. I didn't give a shit about the national, the national media for it. Honestly, like the local podcasts right now, especially in the FCS are much more together with what their individual teams are, are doing with what the, in, what the talent, what the, you know, like the progression of the individual conferences are those shows, they do their homework. So patreon.com backslash tubs, the club helps out. That. Just one last thing on that guys. Uh, if anybody is missing the scrolling ticker at the bottom, it's Idaho bangs, hashtag only tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Thank you. Producer seducer, Martin Heemstra for that hilarity. Just so anybody is, is curious. Jack Lane started last week. The Patreons of tubs at the club found that out before anybody else. Uh, well, I mean, obviously the, the team knew about it, but the general public was not aware we do a very good job of keeping things inside our Discord and inside our Patreon uh, for the the few, the proud, the handful of them out there that just love hanging out, talking Vandal Sports with us. If you're interested in you know getting a little bit more news, maybe getting a little bit more discussion time with Brian, Martin, myself, the rest of the folks in the comment thread, check it out, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. With that said, it's wheels up to Louisiana this week. Go Mighty Vandals.
Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.